thank you. And while that is happening, we are going to pray for you. Won't you extend your hands wherever you are to these, to these men? Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just come and honor you for these people. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for who they are. Thank you for all that you have done in them and all that you will continue to do in them and through them. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We give you praise. We give you glory. Lord God, I pray the deepest desires of their hearts you would meet. Lord God, many of them are are troubled about things, praying about things, laboring towards things. Holy Spirit, would you come and do that on their behalf? Lord God, would you make a difference through these lives, Lord God? As you said, you are listening to their prayers. Holy Spirit, would you crack open these environments and would you bless the environments around them through these men lord god father god answer them bless them deliver them heal them strengthen them in jesus name i pray amen and amen give the lord a hand you may be seated as you are standing i just see calvin gopal here oh my word an ex-youth pastor and his family so good won't you stand up can we just celebrate you you and ilsa Yay, yay, yay. So great to have you. So great to have you. And we have Pastor Sammy back from sabbatical. So, so great to have you back. I said when she arrived back at the office, oh my gosh, thank, thank the Lord my brain's returned. So I'm so grateful for her being back. Um, and the last thing I want to do is to welcome Pastor Roger Pierce who is, it's so fitting that he's here on Father's Day because he indeed is a father to our movement in Southern Africa. So we want to welcome him. And Pastor Roger, I know you had it on your heart to pray for some things. I would love Andrew and I to stand up here and, and pray for those things with you just before you preach. Can we give him a warm hand as he comes on up? There's a warm hand. <laughs> awesome. So I'll let you introduce it, Pastor Roger. Good morning, everybody. This week was a tough week for me. I had some real disappointments with my natural father. Um, Some of my siblings did as as well. And uh, my sister went and told my dad that she and I are disappointed with my father and resenting him. And I said to her, that's not what I said. I don't resent him. You know, I love him. I love my dad. But I was feeling some real mixed emotions because of some of the things that he was doing. I love him, but there's also some stuff that he's doing and stuff that he's being. And I know a day like today can be difficult. It can be mixed emotions. And I'm so grateful for the prayers already, Andrew and Gudrun, for your prophetic ministry. But I feel like there's some more things that need to be done here. Just that we lay down that we lay down our disappointments, our resentment, if it is resentment, maybe our unforgiveness towards our Father. We know the prayer that our Father, it's forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So I'm standing and I'm saying, Lord, I want my heart to be clean and clear to my earthly Father. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me in a moment, in a moment, sorry. Appreciate the enthusiasm. (laughs) Something else that I felt today. It's like there's a riptide. Sometimes you do go down a river and there's two tides coming in two different ways. And the one tide is this 
alienation from our fathers. And the other one is for fathers where we feel that we are inadequate and we have failed. And so a day like today is also a bit mixed. You know, it's like happy Father's Day and you're feeling <laughs> that you haven't cracked it as well as you should have. Um, I feel a bit of that. And I'm not quite sure what my sons are going to say to me. You know, but if you're feeling either the first or the second, as dads, just we want to pray for God's grace upon you, God's strength upon you. And if you're feeling that resentment, frustration, unforgiveness, pain towards your dad, we want to pray for you now. Won't you stand? Pastor Andrew, Pastor Carol, won't you pray? There's no shame in this. Almost every human wrestles with their father or wrestles as a father. So just stand and let's trust God together. Thank you, Jesus. Father, your word says that our earthly fathers raised us, disciplined us as they thought best. And sometimes that wasn't our best, wasn't for our best. But it says that you then take over and you disciple us, discipline us for our good, that you actually are our real father. And we turn our eyes to you, Father in heaven, and we say, whatever we hold against our earthly fathers, whatever mistakes they made, we stand in your presence and we say, Father, I choose to forgive them and let the pain rest upon you. I'm asking, Father, that you would come and heal every heart here today where there has been a father wound, even where they've been disappointed in you because they haven't understood your ways and what you were doing in their lives. But we release right now your healing power to come. Yes. I command every lying spirit that triggers those wounds that you may not operate you anymore. You go where Jesus sends you. That only the truth of heaven, the light of our Father in heaven, would invade every heart, every mind. For them to see the way you see, to be healed of their pain, and to not perpetuate the mistakes of the past. We release amazing mothers and fathers from this congregation despite how they were raised. And at the same time, we pray for fathers. Lord, you give us grace. You give children to people who don't know what they're doing. And we, we've made mistakes. But Father, we stand in here to say, give us your heart, O oh God. Give us the Father heart of God for our children. Where there is alienation, would you restore? I bless every father and child relationship, every child and father relationship. You said in the last days that you would unite and return and restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers. And we release that prophecy over this congregation. Restore every relationship, fathers to children, children to fathers, by the power of your spirit. Everything that has been done that we think is impossible, we declare, no, you turn graves into gardens. Relationships we think might be graves, turn them into gardens of fruitful flowering relationships. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. And Lord, I want to pray one last thing. You said in Psalm 68 that you put the lonely in families and you lead the prisoners out with singing. Lord God, the way you heal our hearts is to put us back into family. Holy Spirit, the way you, you release us from the prison of our own fears, doubts, pain, hurt, is that you put us in a family. And Lord God, I want to pray for each person standing right now.
Lord God, that they would find spiritual family in this house. They would find relationships that would, that would heal and restore what they have lost. Lord God, I pray that they would, they would find you as their heavenly father. Holy Spirit, that you would, you would make a family, a spiritual family for them with you as the father, Lord God. And that everything that they have lacked, Lord God, would be restored to them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Amen and amen. Two more things before we go to the word. If your birthday is this coming week, I know two very special people that I want to honor. If your birthday is this coming week, why don't you just stand? So it's Wayne and Carol and who else? I can't see there. Sean to Neil. What is your name, sir? Is that Sam? And behind the lady at the back? Noreen. Father, I thank you for these incredible people. And Lord, we, we thank you for Pastor Carol in particular, Lord God, as we celebrate her birthday and Wayne's and all these great men and women standing. Father, you truly set the lonely in families and you've made every, every nation Ramsach to be an incredible family as each person has brought their gift. And we honor and we bless and we celebrate these men and women. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Carol, when's your birthday? On Thursday. Thursday, don't forget Carol's birthday. I'm not gonna spend much time on this, but what is a father? Father is someone who demonstrates character, who models Christ-like character. A father is, is a man who shows care. Care is love expressed in provision, in direction, in affection. And a father shows consistency. And I'm praying that I would have that. I'm praying that you would have that as fathers. Christ-like character. That you'd show care, love, and there'd be consistency. Amen. Let's go to the word. I'm going to take you to an incredible moment, a turning point, a juncture in the Apostle Paul's life. Title of the sermon, Sacrificing for Love. You could even call it Suffering for Love, and I might use those words interchangeably. Paul is en route to Jerusalem, and the stakes, the stakes are high, the risk is huge. We read. We reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After they'd been there a number of days, a prophet, there's prophets everywhere, named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says this, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This question, first of all, which we all ask, and it's, why is there suffering in this world? You ever ask that question? Why is there pain? Why is there disappointment? Why are there, why are there tears? Why is there persecution? 
And the first reason that we've got to say, let's be frank, let's be honest, is because of what people do. <laughs> okay, what people do to each other, what people have done to you. The reason why they're suffering is because of the sin of people or, or the neglect. Things that they should have done, they didn't do. Things that they did do that just hurt you and grieved you and caused you to suffer. The second reason why we suffer is because of own goals. Okay, and we all score own goals. Okay? We all say things we shouldn't say, do things we shouldn't do. And then we end up in the shtuk. We end up in a place of pain and suffering because of what we've done. The third reason why we suffer is because we live in a fallen world. Okay, the world is not the way it was meant to be. It says all of creation is subject to frustration. The world is perfect and people didn't get diseases and sickness and things didn't go awry. I think of my, my late mother and loved God, serving God, and all of a sudden she gets struck by cancer. And we've all had things like those random stuff. Our bodies are not perfect and, and things happen. Floods and famines and all kinds of things. This, this world is not the way God intended it to be. But the fourth suffering, or sacrifice is a better way to see it, the, f- the fourth reason why we suffer is because of love. Now, I'm not talking about you and your crazy girlfriend, boyfriend, when she's doing crazy things and you're doing crazy things. We're not talking about that suffering for love, okay? We're talking about a good suffering for love. And I believe it's the most noble suffering. And that is when you suffer because you love someone and because you are loving and giving to the right things. 11th of April, 1982, young man was working on his car. Next thing, the jack failed completely. Massive 1,500 kilograms fell onto his chest, onto his head, knocked him unconscious. Name was Tony Cavallo. His mother, a grandmother, Angela, Started to scream, neighbors, come, help. Ooh, next door neighbor boy came. Nobody else came. She said to him, just go call somebody. She went over to the car and she prayed a prayer. And then under the pain and the stress and with great love, she leant up and she wasn't on steroids. Okay. <laughs> and she lifted this car off her son and saved his life. True story. Angela found strength at the moment of crisis. Angela sacrificed at the moment of need. Her muscles were torn, her ligaments damaged. Angela suffered. She suffered muscle tearing to save Tony's life. Love drove her to sacrifice and suffer so that Tony might live. The truth is, for all of us, if you love, you will suffer might even feel like suffering, but you will suffer. If you love, you will sacrifice. Let's go back to the verse, Acts 21. Paul says to them, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. So why did, why did Paul say this? You ever wondered, why did he ignore this prophecy? I mean, the prophet comes along and says, this is what's going to happen to you. Was it because it was a false prophecy? No, 
Paul had been warned beforehand already what would happen. And he did go, and he was arrested, and he was imprisoned, and he did die. So was he disobedient? Acts 19, two chapters before, he says, Now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. And this is the truth. Paul was compelled by love to sacrifice. Paul loves. God loves. Paul's value system meant this. That love superseded suffering. Love was greater than the sacrifice that he had to make. Paul's perspective on on being a disciple is that you love and that you give and you go and you take a chance. And even if it means great sacrifice, you do it anyway. Paul shares this mindset in 2 Corinthians 5.14. And he literally says, for the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ, that, that he had been loved by God. He had been loved by Christ. His terrible sins, he describes himself as the greatest of sinner. I guess sometimes we all feel that way. You know? His sins had been forgiven. He had received the love and mercy of God, of Christ in his life. And his heart had changed. And now the love of God was compelling him to reach out and touch people. How's the love of God How's the love of Christ in your heart? And what is it compelling you to do? The words compels are two words, two Greek words combined. The one is union and the other one is to have. And it can be translated as the love of Christ has arrested me. You know, like when you were arrested, lift up your hand if you've been arrested. No, don't have to. <laughs> I know Pastor Andrew, Wild West Rand Youth was arrested. Remember when you were arrested and they took you where you didn't want to go? <laughs> The love of Christ was literally arresting Paul and taking him to places that he hadn't even thought of going. Another way to translate the word is the love of Christ forces me. Force sounds such a bad word. Another one is directs, compels. The love of Christ was in Paul's heart and life. And so it compelled him to love. But love who? You know, to, to love those who love you is good it's good but it's not great to love those who love you is good but you're no hero if you just love those who love you it's really good to love your wife love your husband love your kids love your friends good job but what paul is talking about here is to go to people that he didn't know to go to people that were outside of Christ, who were doing all kinds of sinful things. Verse 18, two verses afterwards, says, and all this is from God who has reconciled himself to us and given to us a ministry of reconciliation. There's no plan B. There's no plan B. There's only a plan A. And you know what the plan A is? That God will use me and he'll use you. He'll use us. To reconcile people to him. He's going to use our bodies and our lips and our voices and our kindness and our actions to reconcile people to the Father. And this is a privilege. He he could have used angels. 
but the reward and the benefits, and I, I ran ahead of myself, are just mind-blowing. The love of Christ compels us to, to those who are different to us, who look different, sound different, smell different, are different. God's love compels Paul to ignore the suffering that's to come, to ignore the sacrifice that is required, and to press ahead. We all suffer for love. We all sacrifice for love. Sometimes it's love for ourselves. You know, we gym and we exercise, or maybe we work hard on our career, work hard on our studies to take ourselves forward. We suffer for love of ourselves. I hope the circle goes wider. <laughs> Please let it go wider. <laughs> Please let it go wider. And you suffer and you sacrifice for your family and your husband and your wife, and you give of yourself to them. But we all draw a circle around ourselves, and the only question is how wide a circle will you draw? It's got to include this community. It's got to include this community. And it's got to go beyond. Reach out to Ramsach and the suburbs all across Krugersdorp and Rudderport. The question is, will we make space in our hearts for the love of Christ? For the love of Christ to change us, to compel us, to direct us, to lead us, to reach out and touch those people who don't know him. Went for a walk with Nicola and my wife Nicola. And forgive me for not wearing my wedding ring today. I wear it every day and I couldn't find it this morning. Forgive me. I love my, we I love my wife and I love my wedding ring. All of you, wear your wedding rings, okay? <laughs> That's cheeky to tell you, but went for a walk with, um, with Nicola and we met up with the guy that I've been reaching out to in the running crew. And um, so it was him and his wife and Nicola and I. And she was so grateful for the change that had come into his life through the little Bible study that we do at quarter past six in the morning um, after the run once a week. And she was so grateful. And I was thinking to myself, it cost me almost nothing except a bit of ego, a little bit of fear, a little bit of printing out a Bible study. And I can see the change in this guy's life. And I can see the change in, in, in their marriage. She told him, look, when our kids leave home, I'm going down to Sedgefield and you're not welcome to come down. <laughs> that was where they were at. And now they're sweet and he's back at church and loving God. Will you allow the love of Christ to compel you to reach out to your neighbor? To reach out to others, to love those people who you think they've got it all together, or you think they don't deserve God. Nobody deserves what God gives us. It's all because of his grace and his mercy and his love. Will you go outside of your circle of friendship, your circle of introversion, your circle of busyness, and bring the love of Christ to those around you? This verse, 2 Corinthians 4.17, I carry in my heart. For these, or for this, light and momentary affliction. In other words, for the suffering that Paul is going through, and he went through hectic sufferings, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. You building your career, you making money, 
These are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. We get to heaven by grace, by the blood of the Lamb, by what Jesus has done. We understand that. But did you know that you can store up for yourselves riches in heaven? By the way that you are faithful with the little gifts that God has given to you. Gift of time, the gift of grace, and the way you can serve in church, the way you can reach out to people. And he's saying, what you're going through, this affliction, this suffering, this sacrifice, it's not worth comparing. It's light and momentary. It's like a little feather in your face compared to this weight of glory and reward that is in store. So we don't look at what is seen. We don't look at, at, at the difficult things. We look at the eternal, the impact of our lives. Now, I've got good news and bad news for you. Which one do you want first? It's always good to hear the bad news first, right? Okay, bad news. Okay, this is the bad news. If you are standing up for Jesus, if you're really standing up for Jesus, either you have suffered or you are suffering or you will suffer. <laughs> okay, it's as simple as that. If you are going to follow after Jesus, this is reality. You will have gone through suffering or you are going through suffering. Or one day you're going you're to face a whole lot of suffering. I know many people who have faced this thing at work, faced this thing at school, faced this thing with their friends. Sometimes it's subtle persecution. People look at you like this. Sometimes it's loud and, and, and obnoxious. But when Jesus declared his constitution of his kingdom the sermon on the mount this is what he said and it's the upside down kingdom he said this blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth I and mean, this goes so against the culture of the world at the moment blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Okay, here it is. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The upside-down kingdom means we die to self and we find glorious life in him. It means that as we are poor in spirit, we receive the kingdom. It means that as we mourn and cry and lament, about our families, about the country, we are comforted. As we hunger, we are filled. And as we are persecuted, the kingdom of heaven is ours, and great is our reward. Paul writes in Philippians, he says, I want to know Christ. And the crowd goes wild. And the power of his resurrection, and us charismatics go completely wild. And then he says, and share in the fellowship of his sufferings. And the crowd goes quiet. 
becoming like him in his death, and the room is empty. Paul, near the end of his life in 2 Timothy 3 verse 10, this is his last book, his last letter. Repeat these words after me. Everyone. Everyone. Find everyone here. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. I mean, he says that, but he went through them. In fact, everyone, there it is, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Go back to Paul. Paul's value system is, what a privilege to serve Christ. What a privilege to live for him. And I feel like our value system is, needs to get adjusted according to the kingdom. We think whoever has the most chips, monopoly chips when you die is the winner. That's not the win of life. The win of life is to live and die for him and to fulfill the purpose of God in your life, irrespective of what that means because his grace is sufficient. I want to tell you the story of Telemachus, godly man about 300 AD. Rome was like vacillating, vessel kind of between being becoming Christian and not. They were still having pagan rituals and festivals, and they were having what was called a triumph. A triumph was when a general entered into, into Rome, and all the prisoners from the battle that had been won were dragged in through, and they'd be executed in the Colosseum, and it would be a big moment. Telemachus, godly man, out in the east, he hears God. He says, bring the fire of God to Rome. So he arrives in Rome, never been there. And he's in awe of the aqueducts and the palaces and the idols, though he's not taken in by them, by the idols. And then he gets swept by the crowd into the Colosseum. And the Colosseum is full and noisy and the emperor walks in, everybody stands and Next thing, the gladiators come into the center on the sand in the middle, and they shout out, Hail Caesar, we who are about to die salute you. And, and Telemachus starts to realize what's, what's going down. And before his eyes, he sees these men start to fight one another and literally kill one another. And many of the prisoners of war are being literally slaughtered in front of them, and the crowd's loving it. So he shouts out, In the name of Christ, stop. Nobody hears him. So he climbs over the railing. You know, like sometimes people run into the rugby field, but this is like far more serious. Climbs over the railing and he goes down onto the, onto the floor of the Colosseum. And he's like trying to stop and, and people think he's part of the act. They think like he's like a clown or something. And then they start to realize, no, he's serious. And, and they're like trying to, what's he saying? And he's shouting out, in the name of Christ, stop. The crowd starts booing. The crowd starts throwing things at him. Eventually, a gladiator comes up to him. And as he's shouting, in the name of Christ, stop, runs a sword through him, and he falls to the ground, bleeding, mortally wounded, and last gasp, blood pouring onto the sand, last breath, in the name of Christ, stop. The entire audience goes dead quiet. 
I mean, one man at the back gets up, just disgusted, ashamed, embarrassed that, that he's been part of this and, and just walks out. And then two and then five and then 10. And then hundreds of people leave the Colosseum until it's practically empty. And that was the last time they had gladiatorial murders in the Colosseum. One man stood up and sacrificed. One man stood up for others and, and gave of himself and said in the name of Christ, stop. Who knows what will happen through your life as you're willing to stand up for Jesus? Who knows what will happen through your life as you're willing to do great things that, that cost you? That cost you, yes. But result in change. Telemachus changed Roman society. In your sphere, the Bible talks about metron. You can bring change that's going to last. Will you step up despite what the people might say and face the consequences? So what should our attitude be to sacrifice in this age of comfort, in this age of standing up for our own rights? Paul writes, he says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character. What character is he talking about? Christian character. Don't you want to be more like Jesus? Aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired of yourself? He's talking about being transformed through this suffering. Perseverance. And from that comes character. And from that hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He's saying we literally glory. We celebrate as we are standing up for what is right. We become more Christ-like. And Jesus Christ receives the glory. 2002 Open Doors Report. Open Doors is a Christian missions organization that goes into restricted nations, Muslim nations, China, India. And this is what they report. That persecution of Christians is probably at the highest level it's ever been. Since 2014, and they, they, do this, they do their reports in batches, there's been a 20% increase in persecution against Christians. Now maybe you don't feel it. Maybe you've never felt it. 360 million Christians around the world have received persecution in this period. That's 14% of our brothers and sisters who have, who have faced intense persecution. And what does, Paul, sorry, what does Peter say? He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. It's having a long-term perspective. It's having an eternal perspective. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Who wants the spirit of glory and God to rest upon you? We do. Are we willing to just embrace what that comes with? I pray today that you would change your perspective. 
that when you are going through difficult things because of truth, because of righteousness, because of love, because of Christ, that you would recognize that you're blessed, <laughs> that the spirit of God and of glory rests upon you. I pray that you and me would be like Paul, who when we receive the, hey, if you go there, there's trouble, but there's glory. There's difficulty, but people's lives are going to be changed that you go, I'm going in. There's a story told of the great white throne judgment. Okay, now it's a fictional story, okay? So you won't find this in, in Scripture. And all those who have died in Christ are with him. But all the rest are standing and sitting before the great white throne and, and judgment hasn't happened yet. And so these people, they gather together and they say, no, we're going to put a petition to God. I mean, imagine the gall, imagine the rebellion. They put together a delegation to challenge God's right to judge them. You heard this story. Okay, we're going to challenge God's right to judge us. And they say this to him. Okay, God, for you to judge us, you don't know what we've been through. So, for you to judge us, here are our conditions. It's a bit of a list. You need to be born in dubious circumstances. There need to be questions about your, your mother's virtue and chastity. There needs to be questions about who your dad is. You need to be born of an oppressed, persecuted, despised people group, a minority. And you need to grow up in an environment that is filled with hate and violence and factions and, and revolution and, and there needs to be a, an oppressive religious culture in the environment that you've been born in. Otherwise, how can you judge us? And you need to grow up in rural poverty. You can't be like a city boy. You have to be, grow up. And you need to suffer the temptations that we suffered of the most intense kind. Every temptation, because we face temptations. And, and you cannot be physically attractive. And you can never have the joy of marriage and family. And you need to be homeless. And you need to rely on charity of others. For you to judge us, you need to have gone through this. And you need to be misunderstood by almost everybody. And you need to be betrayed by your people. And, and not just general betrayal. You need to be betrayed by, by one of those that are, that are closest to you for you to know what we've gone through and to judge us. And you need to be falsely accused. You need to experience the, the mistrial and the misjustice of the worst kind multiple times. And you need to go through mental health problems. Your, your soul needs to go through great anguish, so much so that you sweat blood. That's the pain that you need to go through just in your own mind. And you need to be abandoned by your comrades in the darkest hour. Your death, in your death, you need to suffer torture and pain of the worst kind. And right at the end, you need to, you need to feel what it is for us to feel absolute separation from God. Your life must be cut short. You need to die prematurely. Your death needs to be cruel. And literally your heart should break so that blood and water pour out.
and you need to die for others. You need to die for love for someone who doesn't deserve it. And as they finished their demands, <laughs> they beheld Jesus, the lamb slain, the one who had suffered more than all of them, who had suffered in all these ways, and they had rejected, and they were silenced. The ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate suffering, is our Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, he gave him, and he suffered all those things that we might have relationship and life, eternal life with him. Jesus sacrificed and suffered because of love for you. And the only question is, will you be willing to suffer the same? Can we pray together? I want to pray for two groups of people. And the first one is for strength for those of you who are suffering now. Those of you who are standing up for what is right and true, who are experiencing persecution or hardship in work or in environments. If you are suffering for love, we want to pray God's strength upon you. Won't you stand to your feet if that's you? We want to pray for you. You're experiencing the fire. If, if your brothers and sisters are standing, why don't you just put your hand on them? Let's be family to one another. If there's brothers and sisters standing, just get out of your chair and just put your hands on their shoulders. And Lord, you give power to the weak. You give strength to us. Jesus, you come as the fourth man in the fiery furnace. And you cause us to come through, Lord God. Even though the fire burns bright, Lord God, you deliver us. Father, and we pray for our brothers and sisters standing. Jesus, that you would strengthen them. Holy Spirit, that you'd come upon them. Lord God, and you would strengthen them, that they would not fold, they would not falter in this time. Lord, but they would stand firm. And they would live for you. They would serve you. They would honor you. And they would do what they need to do for love. In Jesus' name be seated next, next group and I'm anticipating it it's quite a lot of us if, if this word is spoken to you and you're one of those Lord I believe help my unbelief or I want to do it but I'm nervous we receive the Holy Spirit and I love it when I experience his presence but it's not just for experience it's also for power it's also for courage. It's also that we might be a witness. So as you've heard these words and you're saying, I, I want to stand up for Jesus, but there's a bit of fear. I need courage. I need strength. And won't you stand to your feet? And we're going to pray for you, for courage and for strength and for might. I'm going to pray and Pastor Carol, I'm going to ask you to pray as well. So you're standing, you're saying, Lord, I've heard this word, but I'm nervous. Lord, I've heard this. I want to be that man. I want to be courageous. I want to stand up for you. I want to share your love. I want to be compelled by love. But Lord, strengthen me. Lord, as we stand, just lift up your hands. Lord, strengthen us. Strengthen us for this day that we would not fail. 
that we would stand up for you. We would stand up for righteousness, Lord God. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Cause us to be your witnesses. Cause us to stand up for what is right in this age of corruption, Lord God. Cause us to stand up for truth. Cause us to be fearless. Cause us to do what we're meant to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Father, we receive your power. We receive that authority. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I want to invite everyone to stand as we close. And if you are here, and, you know, as I was listening to that story, that, that white throne judgment story, and they were writing those demands to God, and they were basically describing the suffering of Jesus. You know, my heart was once again broken that God would do that for us, that God would do that for us. And if you hear and you, you know about Jesus, but in your heart, you know that you don't know him, that you've never come and given your life to him. You've never said, Lord, I, I see the sacrifice you made for me. And in turn, I want to sacrifice all of my life to you. And if you're here and you feel like you would like to do that, and perhaps you've done it in the past to some degree, but you realize that, that God is calling you now to do it wholeheartedly. And if that's you, I would love you to pray this prayer with me. Can we all pray it together? Lord Jesus, I come to you. And I acknowledge what you did on the cross for me. And Lord... I surrender my life to you. Lord, would you come and take me? Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Change me. Make me new. Make me into a witness for your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you did that, maybe it was the first time you prayed such a prayer, or perhaps you prayed it many times before but this time you meant it I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind raising your hands because I would love to pray with you is there anyone here who prayed that for the first time or second or the third time and you're saying I really I want to surrender my life to Jesus is there anyone here won't you just raise your hand let's just give it a moment thank you thank you thank you is there anyone else is there anyone else who would like to do that? Thank you, Lord. We're going to invite this person forward. If you meant to raise your hand or I didn't see your hand, come on forward. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we all pray together as we welcome this beautiful woman into the kingdom? Lord Jesus, we celebrate you. We celebrate her life. Holy Spirit, would you come and bless her? Fill her again with the power of your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. My beautiful friend, I'm going to ask you a favor. There's a, a woman behind you called Irene. Come forward, Irene, so she can see you. Would you mind going with her? She has some material she'd love to give you and help you on your way. Can we give her a hand as she goes? Please don't rush off. We want to celebrate fathers today. Can you look outside and just uh, thank
thank the children for their posters and the various decorations. Get some coffee, hang out with some people, tell them how fantastic they are. Let you, them tell you how fantastic you are. Have a, have a fun time together. And I know there are some extra gifts that the Children's Church have prepared for the fathers as you, as you leave the hall. But may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen and amen. Go and live the life Jesus won for you. God bless you.